exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. This is Impact Exposure. My name is Wes. I want to thank you for joining me. Uh, tonight we've got some great uh, guests with us. Uh, Angela Chopko as uh, a uh, psychic medium. She'll be joining us a little later on. After that, we've got uh, someone from the Boar's Head Theater to talk about the all-night strut and... Uh, a little later on after that, we've got a representative from the now Lyman Briggs College, former the Lyman Briggs School of Science. Uh, but before we get to any of that, my, my first guests tonight uh, are uh, Jonathan Vaughn and uh, Peter Richards from the uh, Scene Metrospace. I want to thank you guys for both being here tonight. Um, Jonathan Vaughn uh, has, have, has a, an exhibit coming up on uh, Ju- June 29th. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me just a little bit about that? The exhibition is um, sort of a mix between an installation and a traditional uh, show. There's uh, five large-scale uh, charcoal drawings that are about 10 feet wide by 7 feet high, and then a number of uh, freestanding drawings, and they all are uh, utilizing art historical references to create contemporary messages. I see. Now, I've got one in front of me here, and I'm not going to describe it because I certainly couldn't do it justice, but uh, you mentioned art, histor- uh, art historical figures. Is that Am I saying that right? or? Yeah, there are historical references. Okay. They're sort of different types of visual references pulled from um, whatever art history I can sort of come up with out of my head. And um, then I utilize text and stuff to really get the image correct. Okay, now, now why, why these figures? I see a lot of relevance between our past and where we are currently in our culture. And uh, as someone who taught art history, it was impossible to get art history out of my head. And you know, one of the things I wanted to do was represent these images back to our culture because many of them are sort of forgotten and their impact is lost, but they're very relevant to uh, contemporary art and contemporary culture. So this is something that's artistic and educational, would you say? Hmm. It's, it's difficult to say if it's educational. I think everything's educational, but um, uh, it's. I definitely like the idea of presenting work that uh, the viewer has to work to understand. I see. And there is either personal learning or historical learning or something taking place that goes beyond the 30-second the viewing of the work and moving on. Yeah. Now, you've got uh, you have five 10-foot uh, by 8-foot drawings. Is that right? That's about right, yeah. Okay. Now, uh, what, what sort of mediums are you working in here? It's just charcoal, and there's the occasional uh, flash of colored pencil. I see. So the charcoal is actually extremely versatile. There's... Uh, compressed charcoal, vine charcoal, charcoal pencil. So it's, it's actually a very versatile medium. You can do a lot with it. So the drawings range in mark-making and uh, values. I see. And um, so do you, do you only work in charcoals typically, or do you do other things as well? No, I kind of just happened to start this about a year ago. I started drawing this way, and uh, <clears throat> it just developed. Yeah. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the end of the show so I can take a break from doing 10-foot drawings because they're physically exhausting. It sounds like a lot of work. I mean, I have no idea what goes into it. I'm sure you can tell me more about that. But yeah. They're, they're an interesting sort of conglomeration of uh, um, almost like dancing, <laughs> you know, really? jumping up and down and climbing ladders and, uh, you know, drawing and then stepping back and getting down on my knees and drawing on the floor. It's it's very movement-like, you know. Hmm. It's kind so, of I mean, choreographed. Are these are these laying flat on the ground? Are they installed on the on the wall? Like, how do you, what's the process for creating something that large? They're flat on the wall, okay. and um, 
I actually use projection and project the outlines and then I go in and alter the image and uh, fill in the values and different types of things. When you're talking about uh, a head that's 10 foot, you know, whatever, well, 8 foot high or whatever, like, that head's very difficult to get. You know, the projection helps you to get the proportions right and then you can turn off the projector and really get in there with the pencil and render everything as accurately as you can. You know, so it starts off with a projection and usually it's centralized, like one image. And then I build the entire composition around that one image. I see. So it's very reactionary. You know, what takes place in that one image, how it's drawn, affects what goes next and then next. And, you know, step-by-step photographs are very interesting because yeah. they will change and develop as they go. Now, this doesn't sound like a, a, a form of art that you just kind of stumble into. How did you, how did you get involved with, with something on this kind of scale? I've always liked to work big. Okay. I don't really like working small. And... Um, I actually came up with a, an idea for a series of lithographs, and to get the drawings right, I had to get the lithographs right I had to do the drawings. And so I started drawing, and then they just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Hmm. And uh, I just started looking for the biggest paper I could possibly get, and this happened to be it. And it's actually a really difficult paper to work with, but it was the only thing that came this big. I see. And so uh, you know, after that, I've gone through about two rolls of it, and you know, it comes and you know, it has to be drop shipped. It's so big. It's Pretty wow. cool. Wow. It's actually really exciting to make work this size. You know, but this doesn't say there's anything wrong with a two inch painting or, you know, a six inch painting sure. or whatever. Now you said you, you you like to work big. what other sort of projects have you have you taken on of a, a large size? Um for a space in Orlando I did four ten foot paintings that were uh ten foot wide by four foot high, so they were like really stretched out panoramic hmm. uh rectangles. Um that was a Probably uh, the other large project that I've done. I did do some set painting in undergraduate school. That was a lot of fun, you know, painting a 60-foot painting with a mop and a brush. Wow. You know, like, a, you know, one second you're down on your knees painting with a small brush, and the next second you've got a mop and a broom. You know, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. So is, is that what draws you to, uh, to, to, to large projects? Is it the variety? Yeah, I mean, it's very versatile, and, it's, you know, what's really kind of fun about it is you can get into it. Like, I like getting into my work. You know, I like the idea that you know I can use my entire hand mm -hmm. to you know make a mark, but then I can also get out a pencil and make a tiny, tiny little line. You know, so like that versatility is very, it's very interesting because you mm -hmm. can do so much with the materials. You know, are there other artists that that, that work like this that you have drawn from? I mean, where where do you look for for inspiration? Most of my inspiration comes from people who haven't been around for a good hundred years. Oh, um, my favorite. Artists are not the typical favorite artists, and uh, you know, of, of a contemporary, young contemporary artist. You know, I'm looking at people from Rococo and Baroque and Neoclassicism, and pulling from them. Um, I'm very fond of ornamentation, and uh, it, that really is coming through in the work. Hmm. So there are people out there. I mean, working large scales sort of been a tradition since you know the 1950s, um, but. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, and drawing is very much very popular right now too. So I'm definitely not the only one out there doing stuff this big in drawing. Sure, sure. Um, but it's something different from like the area where I live. That's for sure. There's this different sort of appeal. So now you, you uh, we were talking before the uh, before the show. You, you said you're from you're living in Tampa right now. Mm -hmm. What what brought you up to Lansing for uh, for an exhibit? Well, I had a friend who was from Lansing, and she referred me to Emma Krush, who used to be the person who ran Scene. Hmm. 
And I took my drawings to Emma, and she was like, wow, I really like these, but you can't show them where I'm working in Orlando because they're too big. And so oh. she referred me to Peter. And in January, when it was sort of minus two, I flew up here and checked <laughs> out the space and got really cold and right. got really excited by the idea of that this was going to be a new space and it was, you know, that Peter was going to let me do what I wanted to do. Certainly. And that he was excited by the possibility of, uh, you know, having a large-scale installation in the space because there's so many size limitations and so many shows out there, mm-hmm. 50 inches, 70 inches. You know, I look at something and I go, 70 inches, that's, that's tiny. <laughs> and you're over the 10 foot especially. You know, and there are other people like, oh, I can't meet 70 inches, that's way too big, you sure. know. So it's kind of, it cuts me out of a lot of things. Hmm. So. So, that was the, so that was the appeal for you for, for seeing was the, the, the lack of limitation? Um, that and also, like, I really like to believe that I'm a socially driven artist as well. And I like the fact that scene is, you know, it gets funding from the city, and it's part of this the governor's one percent, or what is it, the governor's cool city program, or yeah. something. And I think that's really cool. I think that's excellent. That, you know, there's someone out there who's thinking in a manner of, you know, uh, art and culture, mm-hmm. and also, you know, helping to keep our cities alive. Sure. You know? Now, Peter, you could probably. Uh address this a little bit but uh what what is your uh take on the uh, on the art community here in lansing i think that uh it's actually a really vibrant community but it's very underground uh, there's not necessarily as many outlets as there could be or um buyers really not that art is all about selling but everybody's got to eat and if you're working 40 hours a week and trying to fit in art around that it's not so easy. If you're being supported as an artist, you can you can really develop in a community like this, especially because the art community seems very kind of supportive and almost like team oriented okay. uh, in the Lansing area. Now, where do you where do you see that support coming from? Is it just the people who are within it? I mean, the the city. Where does it come from? Um, there is kind of a uh, a small group of of art supporters. A lot of artists support each other, um, buy each other's work or trade or something like that. Uh, the city does a pretty good job, uh, seen as a small part of the city arts budget, and we're able to stretch what they give us pretty far. Um, we are thrifty. We uh, will get local businesses to donate uh, things for opening receptions and things like that in return for some advertising. So now this question for, for both of you, um, Peter, maybe you more for the local and uh, and Jonathan for more of uh, outside of Lansing. But where where do you uh, where do you like to to go? And what let me, let me rephrase that question. Uh, when you're looking for for art exhibits, what are some of your favorites? Uh, <laughs> venue wise, or, 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 or scenes or anything like that. Oh boy, um, I know that putting together a show about half of the art comes to me, about half I seek out. Um, I'll both check online, um, I'll talk to people that I know have kind of interesting and diverse tastes. I see. Um, As to actually going to see exhibitions, you know, Florida, it's an interesting place, really. Um, Most exhibitions in Florida happen in in small venues, uh, bars, clubs, stores. Uh, there are some galleries in sort of, sort of like Miami, even in Tampa. There's sort of some uh, nonprofit spaces, you know. But you know that that's sort of like one of the the things that's interesting about where we are right now in contemporary art, like in terms of what's going on, is that there's doesn't seem to be lots of really concentrated hubs. You know, it's almost it's almost spread out. You know, mm-hmm. 
into these little small places that are trying to make it, which is, uh, I guess, both positive and negative in a way. Well, now we, we are a college station. Uh, we've got some, uh, we've got a great art school here on campus. Do you have any advice for uh, budding young artists looking to get their, their works out there in the exhibits, for, for either of you, really? Not to hold bar, you know, like, don't worry about getting rejected. Mm -hmm. You know, in fact, you know, I got this this show through a sort of rejection. You know, I took my drawing someone, they said they're too big. Oh. But here's somewhere you could go, you know, but uh, just enter everything you can and don't worry about, you know, I think that the idea, like, I don't want to enter something because, you know, my art might change or something. Like, you can't think like that. Just get it out there and, you know, just try your best to, to do things like this, like go out on the radio or talk to the newspapers and just try to get the word out about what you're doing, you know, and not to be afraid of rejection, you know, because it's going to happen. Sure, sure. It's just part of it, you know. And Peter, I mean, you curate things, so what are you? I uh, really am looking forward to hearing a lot from Kresge um, and from the art school here. We've moved to within, like, about 50 steps of the north edge of campus, and when they build the new art museum, we're going to be right around the corner from that. So we're situated in a really good place. We're a small, raw exhibition space where people can try out new ideas. And uh, a lot of students and grad, grad students uh, who are at Kresge right now or who at, are at LCC have shown at Scene in the recent past. So um, if you haven't, you should come and visit us you know, and check the space out. All right. Well, uh, this uh, to recap, uh, Jonathan Vaughn's uh, works will be exhibited at uh, Scene uh, Metro Space. Uh, do you happen to have the address? I didn't uh, happen to jot that. I do. <laughs> it is 110 Charles Street. It's in the colorful parking structure right next to Giorgio's and Secretary of State. Excellent. And uh, the the show runs from June 29th through August 12th. Uh, the opening this June 29th uh, is 6 to 9 p.m. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> and uh, for more information, you can check out scenemetrospace.com or look at... Uh, Jonathan's website at fineartvaughn, that's V-A-U-G-H-A-N.net, slash working.html to see all of his uh, in-work progress. Uh, gentlemen, I'd like to thank you both for being here, and uh, we're going to take thank a quick you. break, and we'll be back with Angela Chapko, a uh, psychic medium, in just a moment. Thanks. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building. Without all that smoking. Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. When you get up in the morning and turn on the radio, you don't want to hear those other guys talking on your way to work, do you? You don't want to hear talking. You want to hear music. So here at The Impact, we are making you a promise. We're calling it the More Music Morning's 89-second play. We, The Impact, pledge that every weekday morning from 8 to 10 a.m., we will shut up and play music. We pledge that we won't talk for more than 89 seconds at a time, meaning more music all morning long. We pledge that every caller who requests a song between 8 and 10 a.m., Monday through Friday, will be entered to win a great Impact prize. And we pledge that in return for your listening to us, we will listen to you and play more music that you want to hear. So tune into The Impact for more music mornings. Let us know what to play, and maybe you could win some cool stuff. Only here 
on 88.9 The Impact. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. All right, welcome back. Uh, my name is Wes, and uh, sitting here chatting with uh, Angela Chapko, who is a, a psychic medium. Is that fair to say? Yes, sir, it is. All right. mm-hmm. And uh, you're, you're here to discuss uh, coyote, coyote wisdom. Sorry, uh, if you could yes. uh, tell us a little bit about that. Coyote Wisdom is a metaphysical spiritual bookstore, and it's located over by the Lansing Airport. Um, the address is 2432 North Grand River. Uh, we have a lot of different... Um, Readers, we have astrologers, we have tarot readers, we have healers, people that do Reiki work, uh, massage therapy, reflexology. It's just a really great, enlightening place to be. So, um, we are having a little festival July 21st. Um, It's from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. And what it is is we have different kind of holistic arts. We have um, astrologers. We have little workshops you can do as far as learning how to do uh, Reiki healing. We have readers doing like mini readings for people. Um, we're going to have vendors that carry like different oils, uh, massage oils, um, people that can actually do massage therapy on you. Mm. It's going to be a great event. Wow, so. sounds like you got uh, the uh, great variety of uh, good all kinds of stuff. It's pretty cool. They mentioned, I'm sorry, I, the Reiki healing? Reiki energy. Okay, um, just, I'm not familiar with what that is. Reiki energy. Well, actually, <clears throat> you know, lately a lot of people don't have health insurance, and especially students, you know, it's kind of we have to take care of ourselves. So a lot of people are turning to a holistic healing, and Reiki is actually energy work. Hmm. You kind of work outside the body, and you touch the body lightly with the hands, and you put your own energy into the person you're working on. And it helps circulate blood flow. It helps relax muscles. It's hmm. really, it's pretty cool. You it's just, there's no actual, it's not like massage, it's just... It's light touching. Light touching, interesting. Yeah. So how does, how does that exactly work? You mentioned energy. What's the... Sorry, what's the, the, the thought behind that? The thought behind it? Yeah. It's you're projecting <clears throat> positive thoughts oh. into the person that you're working on. So let's say I was working on your shoulders. I'm projecting something visually with my hands to work through my hands and my body like the white light. A lot of people in the metaphysical community talk about surrounding yourself with a white light, which is protection. Hmm. So it kind of send that through your body while you're working on the person and it helps circulate, like I said, blood flow and energy through you that may be blocked in certain parts of your body. Interesting. So you, you mentioned sort of the rise in, in holistic healing. What, yeah. what do you attribute that to? Well, you know, a lot of people, individuals are coming out of the closet per se about their spirituality and wanting to learn new things. And maybe you've heard of the secret. Um, yeah, the uh, positive a, thinking, right? Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, the power of manif- manifestation, laws of attraction. That's really bringing people out of the woodwork to learn various types of healing, want to work on themselves spiritually. So this community, this metaphysical community in Lansing is starting to grow. We're just trying to bring it together a little hmm. bit and bring more knowledge to folks who are interested about maybe learning 
any of these techniques. Or so, so what sort of opportunities are there for people in Lansing if they want to get more involved in this metaphysical community? Well, we do have mm -hmm. a lot of great classes at Coyote Wisdom. Let's say you're interested in taking Reiki classes. We have excellent Reiki teachers. There's a woman by the name of Colleen Lemma who's been doing this for quite some time, I think five or six years. There's a woman named Kathy Cadwell who also does energy work, and she can be reached at Coyote Wisdom. We also have classes on, if you want to learn to adapt to your intuitive abilities, we have classes on that, psychic development. Mm -hmm. we, I mean, anywhere from astrology to tarot readings to psychic abilities, just whatever you would want to learn. We have it at Coyote Wisdom. Plenty, plenty of good opportunities yeah, there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, now, how have you seen uh, metaphysics, if that's fair to say, have you seen metaphysics change people's lives? People aren't as afraid to do things or to take chances. A lot of people are trying to make changes right now within themselves. Um, I think metaphysics is really helping people open their eyes and connect with people, with a higher power. Mm -hmm. Um, I, th I believe it's just awesome to watch people grow. I mean, just from beginning, I've had students come and take some of my classes on meditation, and it just seems that they start somewhere, they have an idea, a focus of how to better themselves, and after two or three weeks, people are just like, oh, I'm starting to pay attention to things around me and people and what they say, mm. and everything just sort of fits together. As I tell my students, you know, spirit's like a riddle. You know, they're giving you all these signs to figure out. And once you put it together in your mind and your spirit, all the stuff starts to make sense. So, so. You, they're, they're increasing their awareness then. Is that Very fair to say? so. Okay. Yeah, Interesting. Well, now, on the other end of it, what do you say to skeptics who, you know, write it off and dismiss it easily? What, what do you say to them? Well, um, you know, I understand the skeptic part of it. You know, part of my work, sometimes I've got to be skeptic. You know, because you want to keep the logical thought in this world, too. Um, you know, if you don't try it, then you're really not going to know, you know. But you can stay a skeptic. And not that I say skeptics are fearful. But, you know, if you're willing to take a chance and change something about yourself, mm -hmm. you'll take that leap. And what you'd say it's worth uh, worth taking that leap, right? Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. Well, now... Um, Oh, shoot, I forgot my next question. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you. Uh, personally, what, what got you involved in, uh, in, in all of this, really? In all of this? Yeah. Um, actually, when and where and, and how and all that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually got started, believe it or not, when I was about two or three years old. Wow. Um, I know some, some of this conversation about psychics and mediums are like, ooh, it seems to be a big topic right now. But when I was growing up, I was able to communicate with the other side, meaning I was able to see spirits, I was able to hear them, to speak with them, and then throughout the course of my life, it just kept picking up. Hmm. And then about 2000, I started doing readings and teaching and healing for people. And Interesting. Just, well, do you remember your first, your first experience with something that was not of this world, I guess? Um, yeah, I do. I um, actually uh, remember seeing um, a white mist in my bedroom when I was three years old. It was the middle of the night, and I remember being woken up by this energy. And I remember looking at it. It stood in the corner of my room, and it stayed there for about two minutes. Wow. And then it's it quite a long time when you're yeah, not expecting a white that, mist. Yeah, I remember that, though. <laughs> great memory yeah yeah so i mean there's just been a lot of things throughout the course of my life like a lot of listeners you know have experienced some sort of phenomena throughout their life and dismiss it well yeah. 
the other world is always trying to connect. Interesting. So, so now you that you realized your intuition then, and and it sort of grew from there. Is that safe to say? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, about two thousand, um, two thousand one, I had a, a friend of the family pass away, hmm. and when he passed over, everything just started picking up. Um, my shades would fly up at night by themselves, and I would hear things. I thought I was going crazy. I would see stuff. Wow. It was really, it picked up really quick. So we all have this ability to tune in. It just happens at different parts hmm. in time in our life. So, I mean, was that, was that scary for you at first? Or was it, how, it was how did you deal freaky. with that? It was freaky. I didn't know what to do. It happened in my apartment. When my shade flew up, I, I didn't know either to stay or go. <laughs> I was torn. <laughs> But I stayed. I stayed and I listened and I tuned in and said, you know, this is happening for a reason and mm. I want to find out what that reason is. Interesting. So so from the, the, the medium angle and connecting with uh, astrology and things like that, where, where does that connection come in? Where, where did it come in for you? Well, well, I mean, I started out with tarot readings okay. and I began kind of checking out the cards and looking at the meanings of the cards and being like, okay, well... This is what I think about it, and I would mm-hmm. take a different viewpoint. And uh, that happened about 10 years ago when I started. But as far as connecting with the other side and doing psychic readings for people, like I said, when my brother-in-law passed away, my friend of the family, um, I was able to dream things before they happened. Interesting. I was able to just blurt out something to somebody, and they're looking at me like, how do you know that? I'm like, I don't know. I'm sorry. Hmm. You know, it was... It really got me on the road as far as wanting to pursue this as something as part of my life path. Certainly. So I, I love every minute of it, and I you know encourage everyone, you know, to give it a shot. Certainly. Well, now what what goes into a reading? I mean, for, from your perspective, I mean, everyone's mm-hmm. seen someone get a, a tarot card reading or things, but from 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 your perspective as someone who does it, what goes into that? Um, well. From a tarot point of view or from my point of well, view? Well, if, if you could, yeah, from your point of view, like okay. personally. Cool. Um, well, I connect with the other side. Um, basically, I connect with loved ones. I have clients come in to see me for family members that have crossed over, even animals. Hmm. I connect with animals. Um, and right next to me, I have a great animal reader. <laughs> um, but really, what it feels like is if uh, somebody's talking in your ear. And then you'll start getting visuals in your mind, like pictures. It looks like a movie, like you're watching mm. a movie, and it goes kind of quick. Sometimes they'll throw your riddles, like you need to figure it out, but sometimes they're not that hard. Mm. Um, there are people that pass over just like they were in life, and that's how they want to come across. Um, it's really rewarding, this type of work. And sometimes you even get emotional with the client because you just feel so connected to the person. And... Um, when you bring somebody through like that, you're opening your what we call energy field, okay. what surrounds your body six feet out, and that's how spirit connects with you. Now, for a, for a lay person, does that equate to an aura? Yes. Or, okay. Okay. So yes. I have nope. to connect to nope, something I know. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Nope. It's your aura. They come in. That's basically energy field, or what we like to call the crown chakra. Okay. So, spirit comes in through different ways, but uh, it's. Each client that I've had has always been an amazing experience, and you definitely learn a lot about yourself even in those sessions. Oh, I believe it. It's crazy. Now, you mentioned the riddles. What, what do you think is, is the reason for that? You said some are more 
more direct, some are more, some have riddles. What's the reason for that? that Well, um, for our spiritual growth. Yeah. Because a lot of us just feel that we want to know right away. And spiritually, that's not how it works. We have a goal in mind. Our spiritual self has a goal. And that's when we came into this world, we were just basically given the knowledge that we're going to work on ourselves and find our purpose. Mm. So for some of us, we just can't wait. We're so eager to find out what we need to know. But spirit's like, no, you need to work for it. Mm. And so when you start getting what I mean by the riddles, like they'll give you different signs. Like, let's say you're thinking about a song and it comes on the radio. What are you thinking about at that time when you're thinking about that song? So there's a lot of different ways they can come through with smell, um, with funny coincidences. Maybe you're thinking about something and then two hours later you're talking to a friend and they're saying the same thing. I mean, Mm -hmm. you need to pay attention to stuff because spirit, our spirit guides, um, they're trying to help us. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Do you, I mean, you, you perform the service for other people. Are there experiences that you've had uh, recently or or throughout your life that, uh, that are a good example of this? Oh, there's, there's many, there's, I don't even know where to begin. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a, a client that I'm working with right now that comes to see me once a week. And her son passed away in a car accident about a year ago. And he comes through quite frequently. So he gives me all these images. And um, for Mother's Day, she came to see me three days before Mother's Day. And he's given me all these pictures of pink flowers that I've never seen before and empty boxes of pizza. Mm. And he was killed off um, a side of a road. And he kept coming through with the fact that he's going to leave her something there. And nobody puts anything on that site anymore. They basically cleaned it up. Mm. Well, the next week she comes back to tell me that somebody had left a basket of a water and another drink. Just two drinks, basically, mm. in a basket with a flower, with a pink flower on the side of the road. And what he had told me during that reading is that she needs to drive by this this stop, this uh, road site. Mm. Um, and it was his gift to his mother for Mother's Day. Interesting. So somebody just dropped that off. So yeah. somehow it was manifested. It's hard to write that off as a coincidence. It is. It is, especially when I told her the time of day when to go. Right. And it happened. Wow. So there's a lot of different stories. A lot of different stories. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, now, I, I mentioned earlier about uh, the skeptics. Is there anything that, that you're skeptical of? Anything <clears throat> you've come across where you say it's... Oh... You, you, can't put a lot of stock into something. <laughs> uh, I guess something I would be skeptic about is people who say they don't believe. Oh. You know, are, um, you know, like they always need them, need themselves to, how do I want to put this? Yeah, people who are basically just don't believe in themselves, don't believe that they have power, um, don't give themselves credit. People who just say, I can't do this. I don't believe that, you know, mm-hmm. and that has hasn't been the case so much lately. Last year, a lot of people would tell me that, and I'm like, why? There's just so much within you. Until they started taking that chance. Then they started finding these great things out about them, but people that say they just don't don't want to believe or don't want to give it that chance, right. that makes me skeptical. You know, It makes me wonder, well, why would they do that? Hmm. So for, for anyone who's listening who who does, ha- they feel there's there's something there within them, what would you say that they could do to sort of develop that a bit more? Um, You know, listen to your gut feeling, like your intuition. Just keep listening to it. 
And when you notice if you don't listen to that gut feeling and you go against it, something happens that you don't want to happen. Mm. Just really listen, like, what makes you work? What makes you happy and what makes you love? And when you really search for that, you're going to start having these doors open for you, these coincidences or these people that come into your life. I say, you know, let go of things that don't work for you anymore. Clear your space, Mm. you know, allow your spirit to stretch itself out but more so listen to your intuition. Interesting. And really believe in yourself. So just be, be more aware, just mm-hmm. interesting. Very much so. Now, some of the, the things that you practice are, are uh, Eastern medicine uh, related. Uh, there's some things that get into, get, uh, are, are from Native American practices. Where, where, basically, uh, where, where do all these practices come from um, in addition to those? Or? Right. Well, they come from all over the world, mm-hmm. anywhere from China to the Middle East. Um, I basically do the basic Reiki healing. Um, I kind of go on my own thing. But uh, like Tai Chi or uh, Reiki healing, I believe, don't quote me, I'm not sure exactly <laughs> where that started, but um, there are a lot of women at the bookstore that I work at that would be more knowledgeable about um, various types of religions and how they got started, but hmm. a lot of Buddhist monks, yoga, right. um, meditations like that, it really spun off from meditation, and then people just started taking off with the various types of ways to heal your inner body. So what are some of the uh, the practices that, that people could get from uh, Cavity Wisdom that they might not expect? Uh, well, I know right now that, like I said, we have Reiki. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know anyone that teaches Tai Chi right now, but I can find out. Certainly. Um, like I said, I teach meditations. Um, I do meditations on finding your inner balance. I also do meditations to take you through your past lives, which is pretty interesting. Sure. A lot of people dig that. Um, but like I said, we have, we have various types of, um, healers and Diana, Diana Jacket, that's her name. She's an exceptionally great healer. She does everything from hot rock therapy to massage therapy, reflexology. She does a certain meditation where she will open your chakra system. Hmm. which is really cool. She uses this bowl. It's like, have you ever seen those wine glasses with water in them? Sure. And then you go around like that. It's kind of like that, but it's it's like a glass bowl. Really hmm. interesting. So she'll do different sound techniques to open up your system, hmm. chakra-wise, which yeah. is cool. Um, and then we have a, a young lady by the name of Sandy Lang- Langton. She um, is studying energy medicine. And um, she's actually currently working under Donna Eden, who has been around for quite some time. She is kind of um, bringing new healing techniques and awareness Mm -hmm. to individuals. Um, And a lot of people think that new age is something new. It's actually been around for quite some time. So there's just new techniques being brought in to the old ways of things. Hmm. So she's exceptional with her energy medicine, learning about the body and how to heal different parts of the body, different muscles, and work with your chakra system. That's really interesting. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm sure I'm sure everyone can learn more about that at the uh, Psychic Fair and Holistic Festival. Yes. I will give the number for Coyote Wisdom. Certainly. Please do. Uh, it's 517-323-1707. Mm-hmm. Or you can go on the Internet to Coyote Wisdom. 
at msn.com. Excellent. Well, in the... Uh, the Psychic Fair and Holistic Festival, uh, July 21st, 11 until 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to thank you for being here. Uh, Angela Chopko, uh, medium from uh, Coyote Wisdom. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and we will be back with a uh, representative from the uh, Boar's Head Theater talk about the all-night strut in just a minute. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building? Without all that smoking? Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. When you get up in the morning and turn on the radio, you don't want to hear those other guys talking on your way to work, do you? You don't want to hear talking. You want to hear music. So here at The Impact, we are making you a promise. We're calling it the More Music Morning's 89-second play. We, The Impact, pledge that every weekday morning from 8 to 10 a.m., we will shut up and play music. We pledge that we won't talk for more than 89 seconds at a time, meaning more music all morning long. We pledge that every caller who requests a song between 8 and 10 a.m., Monday through Friday, will be entered to win a great Impact prize. And we pledge that in return for your listening to us, we will listen to you and play more music that you want to hear. So tune into The Impact for more music mornings. Let us know what to play, and maybe you could win some cool stuff. Only here on 88.9 The Impact. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. This is The Exposure. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is Wes. Uh, we just spoke with uh, Angela Chapko, a local psychic medium. But right now we're speaking with uh, Cherise Hamilton, an actress from the Boar's Head uh, Theater, here to talk about uh, the upcoming presentation. Actually, it's going on right now, the presentation yep. of uh, The All Night Strut. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the show? Well, it's um, it's it's a musical review, and it's it's a lot of um, it's a throwback to the 30s and 40s, It's uh, <laughs> if, if you know what that term means. Um <laughs> It's it's a, it's a lot of swing, uh, jazz kind of music. It'll remind you of maybe Ella Fitzgerald, Billie Holiday, Louis Armstrong, mm-hmm. just a lot of that kind of music. Mm. Um, lots of dancing. Um, I've I've lost five pounds <laughs> in one week, uh, <laughs> dancing and singing. So it's it's a workout. Excellent. Now is this a is it a musical like with a story? Is it a? It's it it's up? more of a musical review. Okay. The each each song itself has a little story to it, but it's it's really a, a compilation of the music of the '30s and '40s, mm. um, and we we just sing straight through the show. So there's no there's no characters like there's no, you know, my name is Betty and this is my story about the war. It's it's a musical review. Mm, I see. The characters are sort of in. The story, as yes. Lance would like to say, we were really privileged to have uh, Lance Roberts come and join us t- for the direction of the show from uh, L.A. He's uh, currently at Disney. He's playing Jafar in uh, Disney's Aladdin production wow. that goes to Broadway next year. 
So nice. we were really privileged to get him yeah, in here to see the show. People, yeah, like. absolutely. Yeah. And of course, Lansing's own John Dale Smith, John Dale Smith. <laughs> <laughs> is our musical director. director. Yeah. Wow. Excellent. Well, that was that kind of leads me to my next question. Where do you find the the casting for your production? Uh, are, do you have a, a set group of, of people that, that perform the, the shows, or where, where does it come from? We are an equity theater, mm-hmm. um, uh, Union House. Um, we're the oldest professional theater in Mid Michigan, and. Uh, our artistic director, Christine Thatcher, we uh, auditions people with our associate director, Jonathan Quartermanche, um, from all over the country. We do a general audition. Actually, we're having a, we're having a general audition coming up um, the 28th and 29th here. That's open for both equity and non-equity performers. And uh, then we go to New York and to um, Chicago, do auditions um, for talent. We also hire designers from around the country. Um, so it's wonderful to have the opportunity to have some resident people like Sharice here, yeah. who's wonderful. She's an MSU graduate. We're, we're thrilled to have her. She made her professional debut last year when we did the show. This, this is the remount. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this is an encore then, is that right? Absolutely. Yes, it we is. won, uh, what was it, Sharice? Five? Best Ensemble. Best Ensemble. <laughs> five Lansing Thespi Pulsar Awards for wow. it. And, uh, you know, it's wonderful. We invite anyone that is interested in the period and the music to sure. uh, come and see the show. When I was looking over the, uh, some of the, the music that's in the show, uh, In the Mood, uh, Minnie mm-hmm. the Moocher, uh, uh, what, was, was that the appeal for, for, for this show initially? Was it, was it the music? What? I, think it, I, I really do think it is the music when you hear the music. I mean, not from, I'm not from the era, obviously, <laughs> but um, people who are from that time it really just takes them back. We had so many people who are who are growing up with these artists saying, "Man, this reminds me of blah blah blah," and it takes me back to blah blah blah. And I remember so and so and Tommy Dorsey, Glenn Miller, yeah. Artie Shaw, Cab Calloway, and uh, besides Sharice, we have uh, three other wonderful artists: um, Ivan Griffin, um, who's a wonderful baritone. Beautiful uh, voice. Oh my gosh, his voice is fantastic. Uh, Jen Joy, uh, who's our lovely soprano, and uh, Jason Richards, who's our belting tenor. belting tenor. <laughs> yes, um, our crooner. Our crooner. <laughs> little little uh, cross between I don't know I guess what would you say Frank Sinatra and, and Michael Bublier. <laughs> That'd be very iconic. That's yeah. a fun name to say. So. <laughs> That's fun. Excellent. Well, now, was it the the awards? Was it the music? What decided to make you, or what made you decide to bring it back a second time? I think it was really just the the word of mouth. You just hearing people talk about it all the time. There were a lot of patrons who were um, who didn't get to see it the first time, and they were just, oh man, I wish the strut would come back. And they they had so much fun. My my mother actually saw it nine times. Wow. I believe I, I actually quoted her seven times but it, she corrected <laughs> me and it was nine times you know just people real it's a, it's a show that my my mom just couldn't get enough of and so there are a lot of people that just wanted to see it again mm-hmm. christine thatcher our artistic director um we got a lot of our subscribers at the end of the year who would say please bring back the all-night strut one woman said please bring back the midnight strut so you know whatever whatever works yeah. whatever you want to call it i'm sure absolutely and uh I also think it's just a great sort of production for a, a nice summer evening. It's mm-hmm. light. It's uh, reminiscent. We've also been very privileged to have a lot of last year, but this year as well, have a lot of um, college students mm-hmm. and uh, 
folks that are coming to see it, whatever the entrance might be, because of uh, being swing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's still music that's played today. Uh, you know, as time goes by, I guess the theme was used in uh, Sleepless in Seattle and mm-hmm. several contemporary mu- uh, uh, pieces of music for film and things. So it's not like people don't hear right. this music right. yeah. anymore. Just, yeah, just looking down the list of the, of the songs, I mean, it definitely seems like something that they're, they're sort of classics. They don't. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you hear them every so often. I'm sure. Is that is that part of the appeal? Do you think that? Well, I think La- I think Lance Roberts put it best. Uh, again, the director who said that uh, this is a music that came out of the uh, the American music scene in the 30s and 40s, and it continues to to sort of grow as an American um, musical phenomenon. Um, swing, you know, remains with us mm-hmm. and. Uh, doesn't die. So, um, you know, we have a claim to fame, I guess, in the United States for <laughs> for sort of making swing music sure. um, an international phenomenon at the time, and it continues to make revivals every 10 years or so. Right. Yeah, I notice I, I, I always see uh, swing prominent in every uh, World War II movie I, mm-hmm. I see. Um, along a, a, a similar note, uh, there was a performance last Sunday for uh, military personnel. Is that correct? Yeah, there so, was. So you tell us a little bit about that. Well, basically, um, right before we, there's a a war medley in the show, and Mm. right before we sang that medley, we dedicated the performance and the next couple songs especially to um, veterans of the military who served in any kind of way, and then someone played taps, and it was just, it was really, really um, moving for a lot of people to, who have been alive at that time and and lived through that. it was. It just brought back good and bad memories, but um, we just, you know, acknowledged them and, and said thank you mm-hmm. for serving our country. It's one of the gifts of theater, I think, is it allows you to go to places that sometimes you wouldn't normally go. Both happy and a little touching. And sure. uh, yeah, we are. We have a performance also on July fourth. Um, and, uh, that's nice because, you know, we have such a great downtown, um, with the, even with the renovations, mm-hmm. um, uh, Lansing the is renovation. a, Lansing is a wonderful city. Sure. <laughs> we, I think we can tout our own city on the air, can't we? Uh, certainly. That's, <laughs> be my guest. And, um, so our performance on Wednesday is at 7 PM for those who might be interested. And uh, we would encourage folks to come and see the show if they do have an interest. It's only an eight-minute walk from the theater to the Adato Riverfront Park um, on Shiawassee and Grand. So you can leave your car in the Boar's Head parking lot, walk down, see the fireworks, which would be at 10 p.m. You'll be out in plenty of time after the show. Um, And, of course, we always have uh, student-priced tickets for the performance. So if anyone is interested, they can call our box office Mm -hmm. um, um, or stop by the box office at 425 South Grand. Excellent. Mm -hmm. um, So now the the show runs through the 8th. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are are there any other productions in the works uh, after that? Are you are you not uh, able to say not, yet? Not for the summer. We do okay. have our next season chosen. Um, 
one of the things we're incredibly excited about is the first show of the season in September uh, to kick off our 2007-2008 uh, year of theater is uh, Mrs. Warren's Profession by George Bernard Shaw. Oh. And uh, we've just uh, confirmed our guest um, star for that production will be Paula Prentice. Oh. And some of your listeners may recall her uh, from the original Stepford Wives film. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was also important with complaint with with her husband, Richard Benjamin. Uh, Paula Prentice will be playing Mrs. Warren in the play, and her daughter, Prentice Benjamin, will be playing Mrs. Warren's daughter, Vivi, in the production. So we have both the West Coast and the East Coast coming together <laughs> at Boar's Head for this show, and we're really incredibly excited to have um, the Prentice family joining us for the show. Excellent. Well, now, a question that I had for uh, for our previous guest, uh, he was a he's a, a, a charcoal artist. Uh, mm-hmm. As a, as an artist yourself, uh, you said you were a, an MSU grad. Uh, mm-hmm. What uh, what sort of advice would you have for uh, for folks here at, at school who are looking to to make a living yeah. out of this uh, following graduation? Well, um, I don't I can't really speak for the visual arts so much, <laughs> but um, in terms of acting, uh, just I would advise. Auditioning, auditioning, auditioning nonstop. That's pretty much what I started to do as soon as I got out of school. And I got, I think I got my call from Boar's Head right before my final exam. And I mean, it's, and it, you, I mean, you kind of have to be persistent. It's not always going to be sunshine and daisies and <laughs> like, oh, I always have a job, but persistence and, yeah. and rolling with the punches. So what what kind of got you through rolling with the punches? Um, really, really great friends. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, very supportive parents. My family, I couldn't have asked for a better family. They're very supportive of what I do, even when I'm broken, begging them for money. So like that's um, the definition of a friend, right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that that's that's really helped me through having people being surrounded by people who are very positive and um, tell me to keep working and keep going even when I don't feel like it. It looks like it certainly paid off for you as yeah, well. Uh, ho- hopefully it keeps uh, <laughs> keeps on coming. Well now, uh, there's I, I have noticed on your website mention of a uh, summer conservatory program. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that or either of you? Yeah, we uh, do have summer conservatory classes for young people. It's pretty much elementary through school through high school mm-hmm. and uh, anyone can check out the website if I may mention oh, that. Please do. It's org, mm-hmm. and um, we have people like Charisse and other um, performing artists who do teach these classes um, along with staff members and things. So um, it's it's a great thing for uh, young people in the community um, to sort of get a taste of being on a professional stage and um, working with professionals. Um, and it's it's very exciting. There are a lot of a lot of young people that sort of grow up, you know, community theater in the area. We're really blessed in Lansing to have uh, so much in the art and theater world here. Yeah. And community theaters are great stepping stones to, um, you know, then go on to sort of choose, like Charisse did, to have an education in the, uh, the liberal arts and theater, mm-hmm. and then to uh, take the next step and yeah. become a professional. And it was, um, I actually taught a couple of the classes um, through Boar's Head, and it was, it, it was a learning experience for me as for well sure. to try and... Uh, take the knowledge that I've acquired through the years and and relay it to children. <laughs> well, how, how was that transition from student um, to teacher? It was strange. Um, <laughs> it was it was um 
it was very difficult to try and, and, and teach a four-year-old child the difference between stage left and stage right. Because it's like, remember how you <laughs> how you learned your left and right? Okay, now switch that. And they're like, what? So, I mean, you really have to take everything that you've learned and break it down into into a way that's not going to make them feel stupid. Because they're mm-hmm. not stupid. They just aren't. 23, you know, sure. or, you know, sure. so it, it was, it was difficult, but it was definitely a learning experience for me. It was really fun. And I like kids. So, <laughs> so now what, what did you learn from it then? Um, for me, you, again, patience, you really, you mm-hmm. can't, you can't force anybody to learn anything at your pace. And if you need to, if saying something one way didn't work, you got to try it a different sure, way. Sure, sure. I know y'all had to have patience when Lance was teaching you some of the dance <laughs> yes. moves for the all-night strut. Yes. <laughs> that man whooped me into shape. <laughs> Just, you don't realize how silly you look sometimes. And he's like, really, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. But if it was this popular, I'm sure it was uh, worth it in some, some, oh, way, yes. some capacity. Well, I mean, I told you about the five pounds. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> it was nice for me. <laughs> well, now... Uh, this is obviously one of the more popular shows that the Boar's Head has had. What what are some other ones that have uh, really caught people's eyes and ears in the past? Well, I think uh, this last season we did a great production by two guys from the West Coast, oh, yes. uh, which would be The People versus Friar Lawrence, the man who killed Romeo and Juliet. Oh. And it pins the whole Romeo and Juliet demise on Friar Lawrence himself, who had his fingers in everyone's... Uh, pie, as it were. <laughs> it's a, it was a musical written by a great guy um, from Second City, Ron West, West Coast Second City out in L.A. And uh, we had a lovely gentleman named Bruce Green who came in and played the Friar Lawrence part. Uh, Jason Richards, as a matter of fact, and Sharice herself was in uh, the production oh. of The People yeah. vs. Friar Lawrence. Jason Richards, as I mentioned before, one of the other strut um, cast members. So that was a that was a huge hit. And I think, again, a lot, a lot of the collegiate audience um, enjoyed that. Yeah. One of the things I did want to mention, too, sure. is uh, for the college, it's always great because we have the Entertainment Express now that's been in existence for, I guess, about the last nine or ten months, the Green Trolley, which yeah. takes people kind of to and from East Lansing downtown. And uh, I know that uh, it's been wonderful for businesses and for people to kind of get out and see more of the city so Certainly. and it's very inexpensive i think it's only about 50 or 75 cents yeah it's it's a lot of a lot of fans of it here at msu i can tell yeah, you yeah yeah especially so, if you're a freshman you can't have a car on campus exactly. yeah so yeah. and boar's head is only two and a half blocks from the corner stop that it makes so um right. so that's a great thing too we uh we encourage people to take the <laughs> Entertainment Express if you need transportation. Certainly. And uh, it'll take you right uh, right near uh, the uh, Boar's Head Theater, mm-hmm. only about two and a half blocks, uh, located at 425 South Grand River mm-hmm. over in Lansing. Uh, the uh, the production of The All Night Strut runs June 20th through July 8th. I want to thank uh, both my guests for being here, Sharice Hamilton and uh, Katie Doyle from the Boar's Head Theater. If you're interested in checking that out, the box office is, is open 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And the number is 51... Oh, sorry. It's actually 12 to 6. Oh, 12 to 6. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. Bad information there. 12 oh, to 6 I probably 6 gave it to you. Who knows? It's, yeah, it's 12 to 6 Tuesday through uh, Saturday. Tuesday through... Th- mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and uh, no But the number, I hope I got that right, uh, 484-7800. 
7805. 7805. I got that wrong, too. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, that's, the admi- that's the administrative number. Yeah. So I see. Okay. 7805 is the box office. There. And we'll, we'll talk to Gerilyn, our lovely box office manager. Well, will certainly get you there, too. So there I want to thank you both for being here. Uh, this has been the Impact Exposure. I want to thank you for listening. My name is Wes, and we are just about out of time. So uh, I'm going to shift things back over to, uh, to some great tunes. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks, Wes. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.